Sometimes podcasting can be war, Mike Heike. War the, is hell. The art of war. Start off with, my. I think it's my favorite quote now from Sun Tzu and the art of war, which is, invincibility lies in the defense. The possibility of victory in the attack. Just let that simmer for a second. Mm. That's long enough. So with that, I wonder how close to, quote-unquote, having to trade for a defenseman the Dallas Stars are. Mm. The, they have been buckled with injuries on the back end. And, you know, it's – I'll say this. You know, we can sit here and, and spitball and what have you. In those offices upstairs with – Jim Nill and his staff, it can't be easy because everybody, no other general manager throws another general manager uh, lifeline. They throw them anchors. And they would look at the stars right now and go, oh, you're a little thin on defense, are you? You got some issues in that regard. You're looking for a defenseman, are you? Well, we would like that, that, and that in return. So they're not dealing from a strength. But it just seems with Stephen Johns in whatever state he's in, it's unbelievable that he just can't get himself healthy enough to have a go at it, which is really sad for Stephen first and foremost. Uh, but that that is a large piece of your decor that hasn't been available at all. Now you toss Mathot, who is – the type of guy, he's a glue guy to your defense court that's available half the time at best, and he admits it, and they know it. That knee is on its last days. You know, it's like having your remote. You know when your remote batteries are, are almost done? Yeah. So you open it up, and then you, you give it a little twirl in there, and you get a little while longer yep. going. That's basically his knee right now. I shake the printer cartridge. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> shake it. Oh, it look, we got two more pieces yes, of paper. <laughs> whatever it takes and just squeeze a little more. It was Hitchcock's old line when he had all those old guys. Yeah. I don't know whether he was an apple orchardist back in his day, but apparently you strap a metal band around an apple tree that stopped bearing fruit and it'll give you a little more fruit. Yeah. And that's basically what they're doing. And now, of course, you toss in the fractured metacarpal of John Klingberg into the mix and him being out for four to six weeks and what is you know what is he going to have to deal with and how is he going to be when he comes back I wind back around again do they have to trade for a defenseman Connor Carrick's out with a broken leg right now now all of this leads to the fact that I think everybody wanted a second line winger score and the thought process was let's do a b and c to get ourselves in position to get that guy if, whether that be at Christmas or afterwards. And here's the other dilemma that these injuries are causing. Uh, to call up replacements for these injured players, it costs money on your salary cap. Mm. The money that the injured players have does not come off the salary cap. I wonder how close they were the other day. They were something like 200000 over right now. So they have to... But they couldn't have been over... Well, when they played Nashville, yes, they were. They can be in theory, oh, okay. because the okay. potential for you to get back under still sits there. But where they, I act- go back to my son Zoo. Right, the potential, the potential uh, in the attack, in the attack. Uh, so yes, I agree with you, but I don't think they can. And it's just like these people who say, well, hey. Uh, oh, t- I know. Toronto's taking uh, offers for ne- – you mean I know. William Nylander who wants $8 million? Yeah, they're not doing that. Yeah. And I hate to tell the fans they're not doing that. I think it is what it is. And I think the fact that Ben Gleason came up here and played pretty well and Gavin Bayreuther's getting better, I think those are your solutions. Um, I don't Joel know. Hanley? Deep, I thought, I, deep I, thoughts with Joel Hanley. Joel Hanley, I didn't mind that at all. No. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I remember watching him in, in the preseason. Yeah. And I, I kept looking, and we were pretty deep into the preseason. Yep. And I'm like, who is that, and why is he still here? Yeah. Well, and then I'll get him confused. I'll go, well, Joel Hanley's just a 20-year-old kid. Oh, no, he's 27. No. Yeah. Ben Gleason's a 20-year-old kid. He was playing in the OHL last year. Yeah. And I'm going like. Hey. Tim Gleason's cousin. Yeah. Tim 
Tim Gleason now the I think he's the defenseman development coach for Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, I mean it's I don't mind it at all. I, I mean, just to trying tell to you drop the truth, some knowledge on you there. I, I thank you very much, and it does helpful. Uh, does he like Steve Ott? <laughs> not going down that path uh but it you know so we can talk about and it's it's what fans do it's what we do we all sit around yeah. with fantasy hockey they're like why do they just do that even players i can remember when we'd sit around the room it, it's the mo- most interesting transition when you see players go from being players to either management or coaching right. staffs and that because you sit around the room, you're just like, well, why don't they just trade that and that? They don't want to see anybody leave, no. but they want you to add that. And then they realize it really is not anywhere near that simple. Yeah. And it was way simpler back when I was playing than it is now when you're trying to massage a cap and protect prospects and look down the road and, and make deals for today, but also yeah. tomorrow. And Can I throw a wild-ass opinion out there? Mm-hmm. I'm tired of protecting prospects. If if you have the cap, yeah, but you don't have to. You, I know, I know. You're the but senior just, writer for DallasStars.com. I'm just saying, as a fan, I'm tired of hearing prospect X is too good to be included in a trade. Miro Haskinen, yes. Beyond, well, then you just but contradicted be, yourself. No, I didn't because beyond yeah, you did. I'm tired of prospects not being included, other than Miro Haskinen. I, I hate to include names, especially since I'm well, a don't, senior staff don't, writer. Well, don't, don't, don't. But just the concept. Talk around it. The concept of a prospect being so good, the potential. Now, Miro's, like I said, he's a third overall pick. He is different. But the 12th overall pick, the 11th overall pick, the 10th overall pick, trade him. If, you re- like, if you're really trying to win now, I don't care. Trade him. That's just, again, that's a, an Well, aside. of course they're trying to win now. Everybody's right. trying to win now. And they're in this great, big, massive blob pig pile in the middle of the NHL where nobody can really get separation on one another. There's like a few teams up top, Tampa over there, Nashville out here, and everybody else is just scrapping. And And the funny thing is... And I think because of that, it makes it even more difficult to forge some kind of a trade because nobody's way out of it. Usually when when you see trades, other than the one-for-ones that Nashville seems to pull off all the time, (laughs) Uh, for the most part, you, you need somebody who's just given up on now right. and they're playing for tomorrow and you make a deal that helps you now. Yeah. But a lot of times, and you hear it all the time now, it, it has to make sense for us now, but on to, into the future as well. Yeah. They, they, I mean, it's their jobs too. They, they can't sit around on suede couches like you and I <laughs> in, a, in, in a half lit room and, and pontificate about what should be done and what shouldn't be done at the same time. What you are seeing and they're getting, I guess, is a good look at what you got. Yeah. As far as the Julius Honkas of the world in that, and you know the eye test tells you there's good and there's a lot of bad going yeah. on with that, and it either confirms your beliefs or it opens your eyes a little bit as to what a guy can do or can't do. So I anyway. I, I, I agree. I, it, in a perfect, they look like they need help. Yes. In a perfect world, it would be great to bring in a veteran defenseman uh, you know, who could come in and calm things down, but I just don't think it's possible. That's just me. I could be, you, know, you can always find creative ways to move salary and do other things. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes always seem to have the door open for, to help you out <laughs> in, those, <laughs> in that regard. Uh, but it's going to be difficult. I mean, because the guys they have who have salary – are either hurt or can't be or can't be moved, and you've got to move salary. Maybe They're, they maybe they can talk Martin Hansel into playing defense when he comes back, as he inches closer and closer to returning to the Stars lineup. One other thing the Stars need to return is some lethality to their power play, yeah. which has just gone flat, feckless, flaccid. It's not doing them any favors. Now, some of that maybe individuals who. Yeah we're out or now are they, John Klingberg ain't walking through that door to Radul- help it out. Radulov. But Radulov came. 10 out of 11, but he's back. He, he came back. Uh, what's going on? What do, what do you think's going on with it? We're sitting in, in Columbus. We sit in a little room, uh, the three members of the Traveling Stars Media, and I'm yelling 
at the top of my lungs during the first power play. Move! Move! And they're, the other two guys are looking at me like, are you crazy or what? Um, they're not moving. Uh, this whole thing was based on anybody can play any position and move around. And Tyler in the left circle is uh, great, but Tyler in the right circle is also fun. And Tyler at the right point is also Tyler fun. Tyler Sagan hasn't scored a power play goal since the second game Something of the like season. It. Yeah. And our next one's going to be the 19th. And, you know, that, and that, that's everything. I mean, that's he, he can't score at five on five either. And, you know, so it just, I hope. And I think that that will come back. He's still, I think, first or second in the league in shots on goal. He's getting opportunities. You just got to figure that one's going to come back. But when they were standing there in Columbus, it was Tyler in the left circle and Jason on the half wall. And, you know, let me go ahead. Let me explain that. You want me to razor splain this one? Yeah. Let me razor splain here for a second. That was the last game of a six game road trip. Yep. And, Energy is a big part of the equation and was, again, the other night at home for the Stars. And when you don't have a ton of energy, you find a little safe space and you hold your ice and you go about it that way. Yeah. And that I think that's been a major factor in the the drop-off. I think those – and he rides those top guys pretty hard. Oh, yeah. Radulov came back the other night and played 24 minutes. It's like, oh, we have – it was like uh, – Somebody with a shiny new toy. Yeah. It was just like, or or a new puppy. Monty just mauled Radulov <laughs> in his return. Uh, I don't disagree with you. Right. I. It's one of the things I I truly believe in, is that it's not just puck movement, and you have to move the puck quick. Right. You, you got to move people, and, but at the same time, I'll say this. You you can have all this movement and all these things going on, and when it's working, it looks just awesome. But you need a base. You need a system to fall back on, too, and especially when you're tired. Same thing in your overall game. Right. It's one of the things that got them into uh, whip-snap trouble back in the day. When they had tons of energy and wanted to go, 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 they could just overwhelm a team. But you don't have that much energy that much during an 82-game NHL season. Yeah, especially certain segments. You just don't. Right. You, can't, you can't attack everything all the time. Invincibility lies in the defense i get that but again if the victory sometimes you have to sit back lies in the offense the possibility the of possibility it. anyway tyler it's gonna then, be a theme today michael tyler then went from the left circle to the right circle when he did that it moved jamie over and then the defense focused on the right side miro came down the left side passed to jamie boom zing oh power play goal yeah. so i was screaming and then it worked and so i oh felt, well Please I like I coach scream more if you would. Right I'll tell there. Todd Nelson. Hey, look, Mike's been screaming. If you guys could just get your power play going again. One of the other issues with the Stars power play is the fact that they don't get on it. Correct. Which is really mind-boggling to me. I mean, it's It's not to me. It's not? No. It's baffling to me with the way they they expected to play, the way they wanted Correct. to play. When you have a a team that A is puck possession, B is trying to make plays. C wins a lot of faceoffs. They're top five. They came into the game the other night, third in the NHL in, in faceoff percentage. Usually, when you have the puck a lot, you get a lot of power plays. Like, I think Nashville leads the league now in Correct. power play opportunities. Lindy's teams did the same thing because they were the same way. They wanted to attack. Yeah, you're, and they you're to be aggressive. You're trying to make things happen. Usually when you do that, but I'm you, saying, you but get I'm opportunities. The but reason they, it's not surprising is want is the key word. I don't think they are possessing the puck. I don't think they are dominating attacks on time. I think they're getting outshot and outchanced in a lot of these games. Yeah, but they're not. They, they, they came into play the other night. They were like plus 60 in second period shots on goal. Second period. Yeah. And they should be getting more power plays it's in the second period. one of the three period. periods. I agree with you. First and the third, not so much. Well, the third period's been a mess. I think some of that's energy. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think they've been chasing two rabbits for two periods, and they get to the third, and they just they just do not have the juice to continue that pursuit. But for them to be, you know, two point seven power plays a game. I agree. And one of the other theories, I could be dead wrong on this, but I go back to when Glenn Gullitson was coaching here. Yep. And I don't I, think you're I wrong. think there's something to it. I think. When you're a first-year coach in this league, I don't think the stripes give you 
the same uh, respect that they do when you're five years into your yeah, And I'll career. go back to a Ben Gleason or a Joel Hanley's not going to get a, a – Not going to get that call. He's, I mean, cause we just saw Ben Gleason get dragged down, and they're like, yeah, suck it up, rookie. Yeah. You know, and that's just – it, Same it, thing happened in Columbus. Miro got clocked yeah. on his way to a puck. They don't call it. No. And then uh, Blake Como, same thing. You know, and now he's a veteran, but here's that's not Tyler Sagan. That's not, you know, and so you're right. I mean, when you have players who are out of the lineup, now you're bringing in other players, and those players aren't going to get the calls that Alexander Radulov might get or, you know, whoever else, uh, John Klingberg. <laughs> we, uh, but then we watched the other night, and he reunites that top line, and all three guys end up incarcerated in the first – 10, 12 minutes of the second period. That's One right. after another. Ben Sagan Radulov. He brings chaos. Like it was, it was like they can't get on the power play three times in a game. No. And our top line ended up giving the Columbus Blue Jackets three power plays in one period like that. Anyway, uh, it's crazy. They have 49 power plays. Yeah. Is all. I, it's, it's, I think in, in theory, they deserve they deserve more power plays than what there. they've had. I really do agree with you there, and I do believe your theory on the rookie coach and a lot of the rookie players don't get the respect uh, that veteran players. It's do. like on faceoffs. Yeah, if you're a young uh, center iceman on draws, you, you get kicked out. I don't have the numbers, but yeah. I, my eyes tell me you get kicked out way more than uh, Jason Spezza. Of Joe Thornton, any of those guys. Yeah, I've looked at the numbers over the last 20 years. And, and, and they bear it out. Yeah, typically the youngest kids have the See? worst face-off percentage. Yeah, you better not over there, totes my goats. Well, you know what? millennial thing. <clears throat> you know what? One thing that has been phenomenal for this group through the first now almost 20 games is goaltending. And we're going to talk about one of them next. Back to the award-winning rinky-dinking, Daryl Ray, uh, stars broadcast, er, extraordinaire, and the uh, senior, are you senior VP of DallasStars.com writing? Is that how we say it? The writing division. Didn't they, they, the, they always do it with a comma, right? Senior executive vice president yeah. of DallasStars.com, comma, do, writing. <laughs> we, should do a, we should do a segment at some point on... Uh, how they they dole out VPs, just it, like it it's always, like candy. I have it's, to write it, so it just looks strange when you're writing out this guy's title. Yeah, like every organization now has like 13 VPs right. or maybe 20 VPs. We can make Totes the vice president of Suite. Well, I won't go into that. We were pa- going down a path. I uh, wanted to go down a path about goaltending, and in particular, Anton. Udobin, who has been everything advertised, everything you would want in a so-called backup netminder. Uh, he's fantastic. He's fun to watch. We talked about this before. One of my issues with modern goaltending is that it's just dull to watch. Right. A bunch of big monsters in there that just fall down and block area. Let the puck hit, hit you, Daryl. Just let the puck hit you. Well, they're learning not to let it hit them quite as much, <laughs> quite as much nowadays with a little thinner equipment, which we'll get into right. in a moment. But pertaining to Anton, he he's like your perfect backup. He, he because of his demeanor, yep. be, because of uh, his work ethic, and I pointed this out the other night. And I, this is one of it's just another razor belief that you need to have a goaltender, usually your backup, that has a little spice to him, yep. that makes saves, that bring your bench alive. Because for the most part, your backup is going to get just turd starts. <laughs> like you're, he's going to get second game of back to backs. He's going to get when the other guy maybe is struggling a little bit and you absolutely have to have a great performance and goal. And it seems like Anton Hudobin is one of those guys who can give you that, that invigorating stop. It's an interesting thing on goalies and I don't know how to exactly define it. I'll explain it to you. Okay. He just stops. Yes. In key game in key moments. Yeah. You know, he's just, you're just like, I don't care, you know, how you are, you know, in practice, in the morning skate, what you're doing. Just stop the puck. Eddie was that way. 
you know, he was a little bit of a, a curious guy, but the, the, uh, the higher the situation, the better he performed. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question. And I think the Ego was might clutch. be the same type of guy. And that, that's something to be said in goaltending. We'll see, I guess. He hasn't been put in those situations. Yeah. I shouldn't have compared there, him to a, Eddie Bell for There's a difference between being a yeah. number one, and I think a lot of times your number one has to be like the duck on a pond. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of work going on underneath the surface, but on the surface, it just looks serene and placid and effortless, and you get that night in and night out, and everybody knows what they're going to get from that guy. With your backup, you can be a little more uh, sort of helter-skelter and, how did he do that? And, oh, my God. You know, because the other night was a great example of it. So he makes the Kazakhstani scorpion stop, right? It was just it was mind blowing because he's not a big guy. No, but that ability of the modern netminder to skate on their knees, put the brakes on on their knees, push and go back the other direction, is something that we didn't have twenty twenty five years yeah. ago. But right after that, there's a puck that probably shouldn't have come out from behind the net, yep. and the same guy chunks it in. And it's like, right? Like it right after that. So I, I think he, I, I think he's, he's a perfect guy in in the short spurts that you need from from that role. And the history, he's had opportunities. It's weird because a couple of his other stops, I, I don't know whether it's it's uh, Anton spooking the number one, or if it's just that he's so good at being sort of a 1B and allowing the number one guy to get his collective act back together again. Because last year, at the beginning of the year, Tuka Rask couldn't stop his own urine in in Boston. And they Anton saved their season for them at the beginning of the year. I mean, he played like a number one. And then Rask gets his act back together again, and away they go. Cam Ward was struggling in Carolina, and... You know, he was Anton was a great yeah. alternative and was getting number one starts there too. So I I don't know which way it goes with him. Whether you know, because sometimes you're a number one goaltender and you see the other guy going like that, and everyone always likes to say, "Well, w- we need the backup to push the number one." You never need a backup to push your number one because if you need a backup to push your number one goaltender, you don't have a number one goaltender. That's that's a razor certainty. A lot of third person today in the podcast from me. You are a goaltender. Yeah, well, I was. I think you still are. No, not really. Up there in your brain, you're still nah. a goaltender. But I, I love him. I, I really do. I, I think he's, I think he's fantastic. He's, uh, he's a reflex first. Whatever it takes to make the save, make the save guy. And uh, he's affable. Yep. He seems relatively unflappable. Yep. And and very extremely competitive. I'll give you another one. I think he's a little bit of a coach. Uh, I think he's pulling kids over on the bench, you know, whether that be guys who speak Russian or just guys that he's familiar with. Uh, he was walking out the tunnel uh, during one of the intermissions talking to Miro about something. Uh, he does not mind communicating, which I think can be only a good thing with the shape of the Stars' defense right now. Do you know what he was talking to him about? I didn't ask, but it's funny that a Kazakhstan and a Finn what if who can't speak English, either of them, are finding a way to communicate. They could have been talking about something completely uh, yeah. out of the norm. It could have been I just find him to be a bit of a throwback, yes. and I like that. I do too. And I like goalies that make saves don't <laughs> block pucks goalies are struggling to make saves a little bit because the league has trimmed their gear a little bit which yep. is we've talked about on previous rinky dinks and uh the glove is next now I'll, I'll tell you this if you went back if we had a podcast 25 years ago you would have heard me stating and this is before they had the so-called war on goaltending gear uh, first, it was the pads and then pants and knee pads and uh, we've uh, blockers. And I mean, they've they've trimmed and trimmed and trimmed. And this year it's the it's the arm and, and chest and shoulder protectors, the uppers, as they're known. But way back when, when they were talking about, well, how do we get more goals into the game? That I felt like the guy standing there 
with his arm in the air, waving it. Nobody would choose me to speak. I was like, hey, how about this, everyone? There's a piece of equipment on a goaltender's glove that is called a cheater. It's it's called a cheater. Cheat. Er. And you guys allow it to go on. It it doesn't protect anything. All it does is just block part of the net. It's just a it's a piece of plastic and chlorino or whatever they want to put together that goes between about midway through your or uh, midway point of your your lower arm between your elbow and your and your hand and your thumb. Yeah. And so that area is just being blocked. There's nothing can break in there. There's no bone. There's no flesh. There's no nothing. It's just air. It's called a cheater. And yet you guys, with your infinite wisdom at the NHL, won't get rid of it until apparently now. It's a good decision. It's funny. I, I if you and I really until you because you've been on this for a little while. Oh, oh, for a little while. I know. But I'm just. It's funny watching technique now because you're like. Why did that guy do that? And you'll see them wave the glove. They're not trying to catch the puck. Oh, no. They're trying to knock it away with the cheater. There there were some guys that we seriously questioned whether they had two blockers on. Right. Back, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. And it becomes a technique. Because nobody – they didn't catch it. Right. They didn't They didn't try to catch the puck. And the one thing they trimmed on, on goaltenders' gloves – was that big salmon net yeah. that Dominic Hasek and a few guys used back in the day. But I, I, I would sit there. I, would, I was just absolutely apoplectic and uh, in disbelief and flabbergasted that as they trimmed the pads from 12 inches down to 11 and pants and all these things had to fit in, they had these calipers and everything else, that the thing called a cheater was allowed. No, that's good. No, just keep yeah. your cheaters. Well, now when you look at that glove, look at how thin that thing is, because it, it's doing what it's supposed to yeah. do: protect your to, wrist. Yeah, and then it's the and then it's a glove. Yeah, that's how the gold gloves used to look. I think it was Tony Esposito that put the first one on. I think he was the first guy to add a little extra uh, width on the on the cuff, and and on the thumb because he was losing his reflexes back <laughs> right. th- and his eyesight. Right. So he was just trying to block things. So I think that's next. Uh, 20 games in, do you know of any goaltender that has been put on IR from puck trauma? No. I don't. I mean, some are injured. Right. Uh, L.A. King have both goaltenders injured, but those are soft tissue issues from uh, guys falling on them or something happened. It wasn't because they got hit by It wasn't broken bones. and Anyway, point being, and then we'll move on, the goals against average effect of this trimmed equipment the average goals against in the league right now is what would you guess? Higher? No. What, what, what number? Do you any for, guess? Be, for per team, like or no, total like the fifteen sixteenth team in the league, their goals against average is what? Like in in goals against? Yeah, uh, two point eight. It's three, three point zero zero. And last year. At the end of the season, this is a small sample. This right. is 20 games. At the end of 82 games last season, the average, the middle point of it, 2.9. Wow. Close. And that's, as you know, second half of the season, everybody starts buckling down right. defensively and not as many goals scored and all that. There aren't, there aren't a lot of goals scored. Do you know who had the mid-range goals against average last year at 2.9? No, Pittsburgh. The Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals. Really? Average goals against. That's amazing, especially with the history of goaltending yeah. that they've had. Went on, went on and won it. Uh, we're going to come back with, we thought, holy propaganda, but he is nowhere to be found again today. So uh, the millennial has a pretty interesting question uh, to ponder, and it's one that you brought up the other day as well. We're going to talk about Expanding your horizons. Next. Totally. Totes my goats. Cool. I have a theory on millennials. I have many theories, actually, yeah. on, on the young 
uh, people in our you live with them. world. I do. I, I do. That we want, we being us older farts, we want our stuff put or poured into Irish crystal glasses with a couple of ice cubes in it and then and then placed onto a leather coaster on the table. The young people, the millennials, they just want to drink right out of the carton. They just want to chug right out of the carton. They want to get it done. They don't need Very all efficient. Yes. Eco friendly. Yeah. They is it that what it is? That's what it is. Well, it's also we were germaphobes, I guess, compared to you guys. If you're just going to drink out of the carton, you can't do that. Don't drink out of the carton. We also want to individually wrap jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> not, gonna, not eco-friendly. We can only get those in, in Boston. Anyway, the uh, Star's vice president of uh, videography, Jeff Executive Totes. Executive vice president. Executive vice president? Yeah. Okay. We, we, pre- we promoted uh, Jeff Totes is here. And uh, yet an interesting question slash thought about people having to do more than they've ever been used to doing in a different circumstance than they've ever been in. Did I nail that? Yeah, that's a weird, vague way to say it. Uh, I want to talk about Miro Heiskanen, same guy everyone wants to talk about, Uh, 19-year-old from Finland, and just seeing the difference in meeting him last year in Chicago at the draft versus now how proficient he's becoming in English, how comfortable with the media. How impressive is that transition to go in the course of a couple months from playing in your home country in Helsinki to now leading an NHL team in time on ice. How do you quantify that just total cultural transition on and off the ice? Well, I, I think it's it's probably a little bit different now than it was, right? Yeah. And and the, he speaks extremely uh, good, well. Extremely good. Extremely good English. When I played in Finland in 89, the – the males didn't speak really good English until they had a few aluta down them, a couple of beers. They and they would kid the guys on my team would go, "This is English dictionary." They'd say, <laughs> they'd have a few beer, and then it was just a mess because they they constantly got their hymns and their hers mixed up. So they'd be trying to tell you something, and they'd be talking about someone as as her, and you're like, "What? I'm not following a girl. What?" And and then the girls paid attention in school and spoke great English. Yes. Uh, and I think now you get, for the most part, you get, uh, whether they're Swedes or Finns or whoever, they come, I mean, they speak almost perfect English. They understand what's going on. I think they, uh, because of your world right. of social media and what have you, they're exposed to the American Canadian culture way more than anybody was yeah. 25, 30 years ago. That said, he's 19 friggin' years old. <laughs> you know, like he's 19 years old. Yeah. And it, it's, I've, if you want an example of just how mature Miro is, a lot of 19-year-olds make it to the National Hockey League. They either live with a family, you know, either a, a sort of a foster family here or a parent comes with them. I think even Ovechkin, didn't Ovechkin have his, yeah. his mother with him for yeah. – like half a decade, and a lot of the times in the past, a, a veteran player would take on a right, you know, a younger player and have right. them live at their house. Right. So I asked Miro in training camp. I'm like, so what's the living conditions in that year? I have an apartment. I asked the stars, how did you know? Did you help him with that? Pretty much not. He went and got his own driver's license yeah. and social uh, security card and all this stuff. I was just yeah. like, wow. So he, he, he's living almost like he's 25. I, I agree with all that. He's playing I, like he's 30. Well, I, and I love all that. Uh, I do wonder if they are putting too much on his plate. Well, I've seen a little bit of that, I, have, I think, they are cracks, recently. You know, because when you have John Klingberg there, you don't have to face the other team's best players. When you don't have John Klingberg there, you do. And so that, in my opinion, is going to be really interesting to watch. And even with all of the World Juniors and Olympics and everything last year, he still only played 30 games in the Finnish Elite League. So at some point in time, if John's out for four weeks, we're going to look at this in a month and say, you know, have we done too much to Miro? Yeah, there's always a concern with 
young guys, first year guys, right. whether I don't care if they're from Finland or Flin Flon, right. Manitoba, the there's a there's a rookie wall yeah. usually, and it it usually kicks in around what game fifty something like that. I think because that's normally the end of your season. Yeah, and we're a long way away from game fifty, and even now I asked him the other day because you could see, you know, little little cracks in in his game. He looked he looked weary a little bit in that, but. For the most part, I think it's just normal wear and tear. It's yeah. got not, nothing to do with being 19 or no. first year in. I mean, there are guys that have been in the league for a decade that have looked weary and tired in in some games. And he's playing, obviously, top two major minutes in these games here now and getting challenged every night. And, you know, last game he's, have, he's playing with Honka. Right. And in some ways you looked at the pair and you're like, well – it's a good guy for Honka to break in with is Miro, the 19-year-old, <laughs> you know? It seems insane. Yeah. But back to your other point, for, forget about the hockey. Like, you're 24. Yep, 25 on 20, Monday. 25. Well, wow. we're in New York, Madison Square Garden. Yikes. I think the night before Madison Square Garden. <laughs> we're in uh, well, Brooklyn. And bars are open till no, 4. No, but uh, noon game that day. That yeah, Sunday. but, oh, my God, you're going to go nuts that night? No. Or maybe <laughs> save it for Pittsburgh. On the I'll record, say, Off no. day in Pittsburgh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Go nuts there in the Steel City. Um, anyway, what were you Your saying? point on uh, totes, your 24? Well, I w- yeah, I was – could you imagine yourself just parachuted into Denmark at 25? You know what you do in that, right? You do this, but – and they have – they have uh, same thing going on over there, uh, but you have to navigate that language and culture, and and still do your job, and at the same time, instead of just tiptoeing your way into it, a bunch of guys quit the minute you got there, and now you're you're not just the uh, production assistant, you're now the president of right. audiovisual for whatever clog dyke uh, tulip. Uh, company it is over there could you imagine doing that no not at all yeah i think about miro back to when we drafted him in in chicago being the third overall pick and just the media scrum that surrounded him immediately and followed him through that whole car wash of interviews he has a phone call with mike heika he goes to the suite to meet the coaches and i was filming all that and it's you could just see the overwhelming the language barrier all of it is it's tough to process going through that it I guess 18 years old at the time. So w- when you look at him now as opposed to then and you interact with him in that, what do you see? Much more comfortable. Um, and I, that's just a progression of learning English, I assume. You think it's some of it's being around? We got a few Finns, which helps. Yeah, that does help a lot. Like when I played, yeah, in, that's, that's, when I played in Finland in 89, I, went o- I got sent over there uh, by the Oilers and played in Carpat up in Oulu, way up north. I was the only, I swear to God, I was the only English-speaking person in that city. Like, in the, forget about just the team. We had a couple of guys on the team that spoke a little bit. Kai Sukanen had played over in, in North America. He was a Buffalo Sabres draft pick, so I could speak with him. But for the most part, I mean, you go to a grocery store. I didn't know what was anything on the shelves. I'd, right. I'd take a couple of the young guys with me so I could at least ask them. One of them is now... Uh, the uh, he's an agent and he rep the he doesn't but their firm uh represents essa uh, lindell so well this is timely because our game last saturday against nashville was the european game of the week the egow how does that work i have no clue it's broadcast <laughs> in europe one game per week um an early weekend game because then it's prime time over that's there. what i i heard that a the proliferation of afternoon games in the NHL is only going to grow for the European market. Right. Yeah, it's prime time there. Yeah. It's yeah. great. I don't know the numbers they did on our game versus Nashville. Oh, I think we killed it. Probably. I mean, I, I, I mean, They loved your broadcast. Gonna, there's a lot finish. of buzz. I'm going to do, <laughs> do part of the game in, in finish going forward when I know that. You need to give me a heads up. I'll let you know. Shoot you know, like pretty girls in the crowd. I'll be like, ah, Kalni Stuta. <laughs> yeah. Well, for this broadcast, they had me film an uh, interview with Miro entirely in Finnish. So we had Essa deliver the questions on that. Why didn't you and do it? I, that is a language that you oh are never going to get a handle on. No chance. 
And so I have no idea what he said in Ooh, this. Ooh, Sakaxe, Coleman, Nelia, Vise. Crazy. I could count, tell girls they're pretty, swear, and order beer. That was about the limit. <laughs> and the worst. That's all you need. The, well, pretty much. It gets you through life. <laughs> the, the worst thing I did over there, I thought I was buying beef. I went, I went out on my own to buy groceries. I thought I was buying beef. I swear to God I was buying beef. And uh, it used to kill the cashiers because I had no idea what the money was. Right. So I would buy something for like $4, and I swear to God I was giving them $1,000, <laughs> right? And they, because they'd always, they'd always kind of look at me, you know, and then they'd count out all this money from their till. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I, I bought reindeer. Oh. So I, I go back to my apartment and I cook this thinking it, it was beef. Yeah. I, I couldn't get my fork into it. <laughs> I couldn't. I and I tried. I told the guys the next day at practice they rolling on the floor laughing <laughs> that I was eating reindeer or trying to. Ended up throwing it up anyway. Oh. It's tough. The the switch. If you've done it, yeah. I, it's. I'm one of the things I'm. I'm most proud of, is that I went over there and handled all that, and excelled when I was playing, and then came back over and then ended up. Uh, making it back to the NHL again with Hartford. But, I mean, that was not easy. There were, there were three and a half hours of daylight. Nobody spoke English. And it was a completely foreign hockey that I had to play. But once you get on the ice, you know, hockey's hockey. Well, and that's what but I was going to say about Miro. I think that you know, his respite is playing the game. So he probably – that's the best part of the day for him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just – I think they're a little bit different. Now, I think with Val, when yeah. he first came over, he spoke no English at all. He lived with a uh, family here, which was terrific for him to help out with all the things. And he was 18 at the time, yeah. right? The youngest yeah. Stars player ever. And and yet, you watched him around the rink, and you could just – I would watch him, and I was like, God, I, can, I know where you're at. Yeah. And I was like – what was I? I was 25, I think when I went over to Finland. So I was, you know, I was seven years older yeah. than him and worldly, a man, <laughs> Eiffel did, Tower building man. You did hang around those Oilers teams to pick up a little bit there of There was experience. a little, yeah, I mean, you, you, you've been around a little bit with them. That's true. So last thing I have uh, before I overstay on this segment. You're not overstaying. No, um, just run it out. So based off this advice, what advice would you give to your 19-year-old self? Oh, my God. I talked to Jason Spezza about this yesterday or two days ago, and he said he would do less squats for <laughs> leg workouts. <laughs> That's his life advice? advice. 19-year-old Jason Spezza, less squats because he's feeling it in his back now, and he was trying to well, max had, out workouts. Yeah, he had back surgery, yeah. he had disc problems. I don't know. Go ahead, Mike. Um, it's going to be okay. I think that's, you know, I, I think I got caught up in all of it. I think you stress out. You, you worry that, you know, it's not going to work out. You're not going to get in your chosen field. All this work you did to be educated uh, is not going to help you in any way, shape, or form. And generally it works out. Uh, I know some people, you know, have some hard times here and there. But uh, uh, my path was a slow and trudging one. And uh, there was not a whole lot of money coming in in the uh, newspaper industry when you're 22, 23, 25. 33, 35, no, geez. but point being is, you know, it's fine now. It's, it's all good. And, and it's a choose something you want to do. I think that's the big key too. Cause that's, I have friends who are accountants and business people and they don't like their jobs at 57. And I like my job at 57. So. Wow. It's just like sitting with Deepak Chopra or <laughs> somebody here deep. I, you know what? I agree with the same thing though. The, when when you're that age, it's it's a great age because you're bulletproof. You're ten feet tall, which is a wonderful way to charge into life. Yeah. But at the same time, I think from the neck up, you struggle a little bit with the minutia. And I've said this to my girls before: life isn't as serious as the mind makes it out to be. And it's so true. All these things that you just think, whether they're relationships or job related or whatever. It it ain't it ain't that serious. No. It it really isn't. And I truly, if you can find what you really really like doing, that's what you should do. The interesting thing with your group, Jeff Totes, uh, is that you guys expect to have 
six different professional lives, right? Whereas, and I think we were on the leading edge of, well, I'm probably going to be a couple of different things in my life. The generation before us was, here's my job, and when I'm done that job, I'm going to get a pension, I'm going to retire, and that's it. That's how my life goes. So uh, what is going on right now isn't going to last forever. And if you're in something just to make money and you're miserable, you need to go do something else because you can survive. The, the greatest lesson for me was when I, uh, the, the first year I broadcasted. So, you know, I made NHL money, not a lot back in those days, but a lot right, for that. considering. And if you'd have told me that a human being could live on $11,000 a year, I'd have told you you were out of your mind. So I go and I worked in Dayton, Ohio, and I called Dayton Bomber Games, and I made $11,000 that year. And I, I was maybe the happiest I've yeah. ever been in my life, living in Dayton, Ohio, making eleven grand. So there you go. Wow. That yeah. was good. Take good advice. I'll, uh, I'll pass oh. it all along to Miro. Man, we got deep in the millennial oh. musings today, did we not? We have knowledge, Daryl, and we need to pass it around to the next generation. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll pass on a little bit more knowledge next. Knowledge about suspensions. All right. I think this has been a pretty productive uh, little podcast today. I think we're starting to get the hang of this. We're passing knowledge. The ins and the outs of rinky-dinking. And... uh, uh, we want to finish it up on uh, suspension note. I th- Whoa! Wait, 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 wait! That's Tom Holy's music! Well, look who we found. What hole did you crawl out of? Did you show up here today, Tom Holy, feeling dangerous? Is that what happened? I was feeling dangerous. I was feeling so dangerous. I went to seven different recording studios <laughs> to find you, and here you are in the green room. Yeah, we're kind of holed up. Yeah, no but pun intended. The couches. Intended. Look at the we're furniture. Up. You guys really upgraded. Totes. Yeah, hopefully, Totes shows we did. a little little of the setup people, in here. People listening can't can't tell though. We're not going to oh, paint the picture of the room. No. We did that earlier when you were absent. Uh, please. He's very connected on social media, though. I'm sure he's going to use it to show everything. He hasn't he did taken today. any pictures today, actually. So maybe for good reason. <laughs> Tom, it's great to see you. Great to have you back on the podcast this week. You've been absent for two weeks, I believe. I've got, got lost in Honduras. Oh, that was my him. bad. <laughs> <laughs> Were you marching uh, up with everyone? <laughs> Just a little trip to Honduras. I'm back. What do you have for us this week? Well, naturally, I know you guys touched on it last week. Well, I don't because I was I was gone, out of out of sight, the out of mind. The only reason you know that we touched on it is we just told you that we touched on it because you didn't listen to the podcast. Well, here comes some Tyler saying it at you. Okay. It's Boston week. It's a big one for him. Since we've gotten Tyler from the Boston Bruins, where does he stand? Well, he's top 10 in a lot. In the league, second in shots over that time since we got him in 13-14. He's second in games with eight-plus shots. He's fourth in goals, fourth in multi-point games, fourth in multi-goal games, fourth in points per games, tied for fourth in power play goals, fifth in even strength points, tied for seventh in game winners, seventh in points, eight for eighth for on-ice goals four. So he's done quite a lot to put him in the top ten in several categories across the league. You know, Tyler Sagan. Statistics, I've said in past are like bikinis they show a lot tom but they don't show everything would you be interested to know that he's got a 52.8 percent face-off percentage in the defensive zone since we acquired him from boston it's a statistic as well bikinis i like them would you like to know that he has one sweet shiny black ferrari would you like to know that totes Hit him with the Rari. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Good knowledge. He, what you're what you're saying, what you're backing up, is what we talked about last week, which is Tyler Sagan is one uh, a OK top notch, hit it out of the park acquisition for the Dallas Stars and general manager Jim Nill. And he's exclusive with Bob and Dan, so we couldn't get him on the Rinky Dinking podcast. Well, we don't have guests no. on here well, as of yet. Well, he's not really a guest. Uh, he's a co- A featured player? He's a co-conspirator, I believe. Good knowledge. It's good to see you, Tom. Bye, Mike. So, Daryl, can I ask you one thing? Yes. Do you, do you think the Stars won that trade? <laughs> I think we covered that. <laughs> we covered that last week. Yeah, I think they won it. Yeah, they did. And he's been a, a phenomenal addition to the Dallas Stars. And he is going to uh, play the next eight years in a Stars uniform. What Thanks was, to what the was, Benjamins. What was bigger, us acquiring him or Mike Heike from the Dallas Morning News? And I'll leave you with that. I don't think it can be answered. We're going to try to answer that next week on Reiki Dinky. For this week, I want to finish up on this. This is something Tom Holy may have to research. With Tom Wilson coming back and having his suspension reduced and then reduced again, it's like a, a vulcanized rubber reduction. It's like a cooking class with suspensions in the National Hockey League. Uh, I don't remember any suspensions of Dallas Stars over the last X number of years. A couple of little ones, maybe, with Antoine Roussel. The, the last one I remember is Cody Eakin getting four games for, for destroying Henrik Lundqvist in behind the net here. The one prior to that that I remember is Ryan Garbett blindsiding Dustin Penner. What was that, like 20? That was 13-14. And Cody Eakin had to have been three year, two years ago, three years ago? Three years ago. At least. Yep. And then the one prior to that that I could think of was the six games that Sean Avery got for holding an impromptu (laughs) press conference in Calgary. Not on my watch. (laughs) No, it wasn't. That wouldn't have happened if Tom Holy was here. (laughs) So with that, we say goodbye for another week. We'll be back for the moist millennial, Jeff Totes, for Tom Holy. The vice president of Stars Communications for senior writer for DallasStars.com. I'm Daryl Ray. We'll talk to you next week.